Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. And I mean, I know it has been a long time. And I'm just telling you right from the start, I'm going to do this thing, stream of consciousness. I am going to just talk. I already don't like the way I started this podcast, but I'm going to I'm going to keep going anyway because if I keep stopping to try to fix it and do this thing right, it won't get done. I've only got a limited amount of time this morning before I have to go into my work day. Um and frankly, that's why there hasn't been a podcast for a month is because I don't have any time to do it right and I've been too proud to do it wrong. And so this time I I just, you know, I feel like my relationship with you is important to me, at least. I don't know. You know so, so I know I get letters, so I know it's important to some of you, but it's definitely important to me. And just like a lot of my other relationships right now, I've fallen off and gotten so far behind that I don't even know where to start in catching up. Because I feel bad about disappearing like I have. The last month... I've had a pretty rough go of it. And I mean, I wasn't doing so great before that. The last, I would say the last three months I have been under, under a rock, but the last month has been just hellacious. I mean, circumstantially, I can't remember a more stressful time in my life. Besides COVID and the ridiculous of the politics and all of that, the truth is, is that, you know, there are people in my life, close people to me that are train wrecks. And both grad school and my internship have been overwhelming me. I, I mean, some of you know, in addition to my regular work, I've been going to graduate school at Xavier in the evenings to become like a legit counselor. The irony of this is, is that I went, I went to counseling because I was, I, was, I was stuck in a place that I didn't know how to move out of. And I finally, Marty was like, you got to go talk to somebody. So I went to see this counselor. And in the process of counseling, what basically this person helped me to figure out was, I don't want to be a self-promoter who's always out there hustling another gig. I want a job. I want to walk in. I, I want to be. A, I want to walk into an office and just have them line people up outside who have problems and come in and sit down and be their counselor guy. So I went to school to be a counselor, and part of the reason I did it was because I didn't want to spend so much time on the computer hustling. I wanted to just talk to people in person. So of course I start going to graduate school and they put it all on Zoom. And then I get to my internship, which is a part of the graduate program where you basically work like free for, for some agency. And in my case, it's a community mental health agency, like the greatest organization in, in Cincinnati. I think I can say who it is. Sure, I can. It's, called, it's Greater Cincinnati Behavioral Health um, and it, it Services. And if you looked it up online, you would see that it's like one of the 10 best places to work in Cincinnati, which is remarkable for a community mental health place because what the community mental health is you're working with really poor people who are in really dire circumstances all the time and uh, I the, the people there are so wonderful but of course I, I only know this because I zoom talk to them and email them and even my clients it's all zoom everything in my life is fucking zoom and facetime and I just am not wired for that stuff I, 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 just life was already really stressful. And then, like I said, I got hammered about a month ago. And here's the weird thing. I'm not even sure how to 
how to shit. And not like you guys know me. I'm very authentic on the microphone. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't hide a lot. Um, but sometimes the story isn't mine to tell. And so I guess the, the simplest way I can say this to, to you is a friend who I'm very, very close to and who means a very great deal to me got overwhelmed about a month ago and tried to commit suicide. And I, I'm not really at liberty to talk about it because the person is so embarrassed. But like what's weird is, is like I'm one of those people that thought I was super enlightened and woke about suicide. But when it happens to someone super close to you, there's a, there's a weird feeling of failure. Like, I guess I'm not that good a friend. I guess, that, I guess I'm not that good a caretaker. I guess I wasn't paying attention. But the weird thing was, I thought I was. And I just got, I was just, I'm just blindsided. And I shouldn't have been. In retrospect, it was all there. And, and it so laid me low that for a few weeks, that's, you know, because the weird thing is they attempted suicide. They did not complete suicide, which meant that as soon as they came to themselves, they felt horrible. And all of a sudden I'm on more phone calls and Zoom calls, you know, talking to them, talking to the, the rest of their family and trying to figure out how to support this person. Because now on top of all the things that drove them to try to com commit suicide, They've got the, the weight of, I tried to commit suicide. So now they're embarrassed about that and upset about that. And that feels like a failure for them, for us, for everybody. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think suicide's always wrong. I think people are like, oh, it's so cowardly. Like, I understand when people get overwhelmed and especially when they're looking realistically and they go like, it isn't going to get better. I mean, young people, they commit suicide because they, they think that this moment is the only moment. They don't realize, like, you wait a minute, it'll get better or could get better. But sometimes when people are in my age category or older, yeah, it doesn't work that way. And so I understand. And I'm not judgmental. But a lot of times, um, a lot of times it's just a, a momentary loss of perspective. And... The weird thing is, is that, you know, men, women try it more often. Uh, men complete it more often. But I tell you what, the damage of a failed attempt, I'm learning, <laughs> is that, you know, all of a sudden nobody trusts anybody. You know, the person who tried is like, okay, I'm, I'm fine now. I, I realized that was stupid. I'm really sorry. Can we get on with life? And you're like, no, <laughs> we cannot get on with life. Like, I don't trust you to be alone. And I, I sort of look at my other relationships and I don't trust, like, uh, do I know what's going on? Am I paying attention? Am I careful enough? I mean, my sense of security, my sense that, like, I can sleep easy at night, it goes away. And what's interesting is I've had to tell some people the, the actuality of this thing just for practical purposes. And what I find out is every time I tell somebody, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law committed suicide. Or, oh, yeah, 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 my, my, my dad um, he actually completed. And I'm finding out that suicide is a lot more prevalent than I felt. I mean, like I know the statistics. I mean, I studied that in grad school. 
but you don't realize that if X number of people are committing suicide, it is fucking up the lives of X times 20 people. Um, and the attempts are in some ways just as destabilizing. You know, I had one woman say to me like, yeah, I don't, like, it's been five years and my sense of security is just gone. Like my sense that I know what's going on is just gone. I, I just, I'm always worried. And, and that's, you know, that's before you get to the bodily damage. I've known, I've known two people that, that tried to commit suicide and they survived, but they damaged their body in such terrible ways that the rest of their lives were constant reminders and constantly and way more difficult than they would have been. Um, I remember watching this documentary about the Golden Gate Bridge and all the people that suicide there and they had a guy who had survived a fall from the Golden Gate Bridge, which if you've been on that bridge is, is hard to imagine. Um, and he was just so damaged by it. And, and, you know, in many ways, what happened to my friend was that they couldn't win anymore. They got to a place where this is a person who had been highly successful in life and they had been on top of things emotionally and, and, and economically and, you know, in terms of the Im their image of other people had of them. And then, like, when they got to a place where, and, you know, COVID... COVID has done this to a lot of people. They've put people in situations where they don't feel like they can be themselves anymore. They can't win. They can't, they can't do as, they, they can't sort of be the, the, the shining star. And, and it overwhelmed them. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just rambling now. And I, I, I promised I wouldn't turn off the mic or I would have turned it off and started over again a long time ago. But like I said, I'm not going to try to share with you my whole life or all the reasons why I'm a shitty podcaster at this moment. I'm just, this is just me trying to reconnect. And so it, you, 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 can, you can turn me off at any time. <laughs> so, so, so you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm reconnected to Bart. I don't like him as much, but I'm reconnected to him. You can turn this off. Um, but I, I got a couple of things to share with you that, that come out of this experience that are really beautiful. And there, there, there have been a lot of shining, beautiful moments in this because, you know, again, I'm, I have a lot of really lovely people in my life. And so if somebody's close enough to me to hurt me when they try to commit suicide, they're probably lovely. And that means that I'm connected to them through other lovely people. And that means that a lot of people have been beautiful to this person, to me. Um, yeah, I'm feeling... I'm really pretty fortunate. Even, you know, in my own life, I'm just fortunate, you know. I mean, Marty, my kids, Maya, you know, in the midst of all this grad school stuff and overwhelmingness, they, everybody's been really nice to me. When I say Maya, that's my little granddaughter, and she's always nice. Um, and I've spent, you know, as I'm getting old and my, you know, at one point, this, the tension this past month was so bad that my back just seized up and I couldn't bend and I was in excruciating pain and there was nothing wrong with me. It was just like stress seizing up my back, which has only happened to me once, one other time in my life. You know, so like my body's given out. And I, like I've spent a lot of time, more time than the average bear thinking about mortality issues, both at the end of life and in the middle of life, like just limit human limitations and things we can't do. And so, you know, 
I'm lucky that I've done all that thinking because when it hits you, it's good if you've got some preparation. If you know, you don't want to wait until you're at the end of life or until your body is giving out to think about the implications of losing stuff and how you handle that. And and I got to tell you, in the midst of all this pressure, I actually think I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm failing at everything, but I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Emotionally, spiritually, uh, you know, in terms of this kind of like, this kind of humanizing thing that we're trying to work on here. I, I feel pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I, honestly, I think one of the best things that's happened to me that I've realized, and I, I, I took this totally for granted, is I don't drink. I don't drink very much. Like, you know, I'm like a one beer guy, couple, you know, maybe a couple times a week. And boy, if I was a drinker right now, because I, I, I talk to a lot of drinkers. I, if I was a drinker right now, I would be in a very different space. And, let, and that's not me telling you like, whoa, I'm a really cool guy. I control my alcohol. It's like, I'm not prone to drink. I never drank. I'm not able to drink very much. And he's really lucky um, in the midst of this that, that I don't have that to contend with. I don't know why I'm talking about that. There's a reason. I can't remember what it is. I, just, I, guess, I guess the thing is, is that what I'm saying is, is that I don't feel like I'm doing great at school or at work. I'm like, I do good in the counseling sessions, but I'm terrible with the paperwork. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm really very present for my f- family at all times. Um, but you know, in general, I feel like I'm doing okay. So you, know, you don't need to worry about me on that level. Um, but here, here's the thing. I had this experience today and that this is what actually put me on the mic. So I woke up early this morning and I think, ah, I got nothing to share. And I think what we're going to do for the next few weeks, I'm going to pull up some previous conversations that many of you that are new to the program have never heard. And we're going to play some classic episodes, but I'm going to do new introductions to them um, to try to keep it fresh. Um, but I woke up and I started, I checked my email and I had gotten this note from an old friend of mine. And it's a person that I, I was really close to in college. I mean, when we, when we first became friends, we became friends because everybody around us was like, you guys would be great friends. Like, you're so alike. You're so similar. You have so many of the same kind of passions and you remind me of each other. And people are always telling us they were, which is not always the best way. Like, you don't like to be told that you remind somebody of somebody else. Like, I'm unique, right? But when we got together, we are like, oh my gosh, you're a lot like me. I'm a lot like you. And it felt like in the beginning of our friendship that we were so alike. And that was the, that was the connection. We had so much in common. Um, and when we stayed friends forever, you know, I mean, we're friends to this day on some level. But um, right when I was starting to enter into the, the tail end of my Christian journey, and, I, you know, this was a person I was open with, um, even when I wasn't as open with everybody. And all of a sudden we discovered that, and not just in the spirituality thing, but in a lot of things, we were really different. And the stuff that was undoing me spiritually, that I was like, yeah, this is why I don't think this is true and I got to get out of this kind of supernatural religion game. The same things where he was going like, yeah, I don't think Christianity is all there is. I want to go deeper into the supernatural. It's much bigger than Christianity. And we really grew apart. And the weird thing was, is then, then, then I got jammed up at one point and he came to my rescue 
and pulled me in and I was, you know, I, all of a sudden we were working very closely together, even though we were changing personality wise, we were moving apart, but reality wise, we were, we were spending more time together than we'd ever spent. And it kind of blew up and we had a big conflict and it put some real distance between us. And I, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm a conflict adverse person. I do not often fall out with anybody. In general, I'm a pretty good apologizer and I'm, and, 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 and I'm, and I'm willing to compromise because I just hate falling out with people. But this, this one, yeah, this one, this went south. And, um, and so there was suddenly, there was a lot of distance between us. And in the midst of that distance, I got careless and I took the distance and I, 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 I did something. I made a decision about an event Then I made the wrong decision and I really hurt my friend's feelings. And I mean, I think the distance between us made me careless, made him more sensitive. In the end, boy, that was, that really did some damage. <laughs> and what's funny is like, our, our relationship was so messed up by that point that I didn't, it took me literally years to realize that I was the one at fault, that I was the one that had screwed up, that I had, that I was in the wrong. Like I literally thought I was not in the wrong. I would have told you the story so differently five years ago. I was not in the wrong, but I was in the wrong. Totally in the wrong. And finally, finally at one point, Marty and I were driving across the country on one of our road trips and we figured out like, we were talking about it and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I have enough, had enough distance to see an objective. I was like, I suck. She's like, you were wrong. I was wrong. And so I, I called to apologize and you, I'm a good apologizer. I mean, this apology went back and forth, emails, carefully worded stuff. Like I really worked hard to try to express the depth of my remorse. But no, I, I mean, my friend's beautiful and he forgave me, but like the damage was done. And so we stay in touch now, but there's this kind of guardedness in the relationship. You know, you, you try, you're a little too careful around each other. And, and you sense the other person being careful around you and that makes you feel weird. And uh, I don't know how you, you know, and especially when it's long distance and it's especially in this COVID nonsense. Like, uh, like, I don't know. I think we were, we had finally reached a point where we were like, going to spend some time together. And now we, there's no way to spend time together with a long distance friend, especially when you're not even sure how it's going to work. Um, so then out of nowhere this morning, out of nowhere this morning, um, I mean, we've been, we've been, you know, how you doing? How's it going in COVID? And, you know, like the stuff that you do with, with people that you care about, but that, you know, it, it hasn't been like this kind of intensity. And out of nowhere, he sends me this quote from Kurt Vonnegut, which for those of you that are a little bit more uh, astute in your secular humanism, uh, Kurt Vonnegut is a famous Secular humanist. He won Humanist of the Year from the American Humanist Association uh, about a decade ago. He's, he's, he's one of the patron saints. And so my friend, the hyper-spiritual guy, he sends me a Kurt Vonnegut quote. And I'm going to read you the quote. It's beautiful. Kurt Vonnegut says, When I was 15, I spent a month working on an archaeological dig. I was talking to one of the archaeologists one day during our lunch break, and he asked 
those kinds of getting to know you questions you ask young people. Do you play sports? What's your favorite subject? And I told him, no, I don't play any sports. I do theater. I'm in choir. I play the violin and piano. I used to take art classes. And he went, wow, that's amazing. And I said, oh, no, but I'm not good at any of them. And he said something then that I will never forget and which absolutely blew my mind because no one had ever said anything like it to me before. I don't think being good at things is the point of doing them, he said. I think you've got all these wonderful experiences with different skills, and that all teaches you things and makes you an interesting person, no matter how well you do them. And that honestly changed my life. Because I went from a failure, someone who hadn't been talented enough at anything to excel, to someone who did things because I enjoyed them. I had been raised in such an achievement-oriented environment, so inundated with the myth of talent, that I thought it was only worth doing things if you could win at them. Wow. I mean... The layers of this thing are amazing for me. I mean, first of all, my friend who tried to, to, to kill himself, like I really think a big part of that was is that this had been a person who had always won at things and all of a sudden they realized they weren't going to win at things and they too were in an achievement-oriented environment inundated with the myth of talent. And I think that like nobody had ever, they needed to have met an archaeologist a long time ago who said, listen, it's not about winning, it's about learning and, and, and enjoying life. So, so I mean like it was just a, a totally apt quote for the moment. But the other thing was, is that that idea, that's, that's one of the most precious ideas in my life. Like, I, I have this other story that I'm not going to read you because it's long. It's this article I found in Sports Illustrated in the, like the 1970s that hit me like a ton of bricks. No, no, it was, yeah, it was in the ni- late 1970s. I'd just become a Christian. I read this article. I thought it was all about God, but it was really all about life. It was about a chess player. And, and what's funny is I've been, I'm, I'm really into chess right now because I've been watching that uh, series, uh, The Queen's Gambit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> totally have enjoyed that series. I mean, I don't recommend a lot of TV series in public, but I'm telling you, uh, The Queen's Gambit. It's just so weird because it's oddly, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just an offbeat. Like it's not going to strike you as a warm show. It's about cold people. And yet there's so much warmth in it. Um, the chess, I don't understand chess. I barely can play chess, but like the chess is fascinatingly interesting. And it turns out if you read the backstory, like well-researched and beautiful, like the clothes, it's like Mrs. Maisel in the terms of the clothes. Like it's just, it's a beautifully shot, beautifully made, beautifully acted um, series. It's just un- unusual. So anyway, why? Oh, the chess, the chess, the chess. So the, anyway, this article that I always used to, that I found when I was young was about chess, about a chess player. And I have given this article to countless young people over the years trying to communicate the point that 
the reason to do things is not so that you can win or excel. The reason to do things is so that you can understand and enjoy. That's my thing. That's something I've always thought and, and I've tried to share. And here's this friend of mine who's so different from me. And he sends me this quote because he's like, this is good for you. This, you'll like this. I mean, it was like, I felt so seen. You know what I mean? I felt so understood. I'm like, this guy is not like me, but like he knows me. He really knows me. And that felt really good to be known. So the quote was good, partly because like it applies to this thing I'm trying to work through with my friend. And it's good partly because it just is a sign to me that even though I'm not on the closest of terms with my friend, he's still my friend and he knows me very well. And that feels very good. To have somebody get you the right kind of coffee because they know what kind of coffee you like. Or to have somebody, you know, mow your lawn according to the pattern that you mow it because they know that, like, it wouldn't be really a favor if they mowed it their way. They, 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 so they mow it your way. Like, there's, there's things people do that let us know that they know us. It feels really good to be known. So... Yeah, so like I've been talking for 25 minutes. Are we back? I mean, you go like, no, we're not back. This is not you being like the humanist guy who, who is help, helping, to, helping us parse the idea of how do we relate to spiritual, how do we relate to spiritualized Christians? How do we relate to other humanists? How do we build community? Like, where's, all this, where's something really helpful that I can use in my life? I'm sorry. Like, we're not back on that level yet. We'll get back to that level. Today, this is just me showing up, just me showing up to let you know that I know I have been failing as a podcaster. I have been failing at a lot of things uh, lately. <laughs> but remember, it's not about doing things well. <laughs> it's about learning and, and becoming interesting. And, and what I will say is that this month has been a month, uh, these last three months, gosh, since COVID started, I think like it's been a time of failure for me, not, not alone, but for me, especially like one would have thought I would have been like an awesome, a shining beacon of hope in the midst of COVID. And I'm not sure I've been, but I have been learning. Oh my gosh, have I been learning? And some of the things I've been learning, I think, are really beautiful. And when I, when I get my act together enough that I can communicate them, I'm excited. And, and you know, I may have been, have been doing bad in terms of my public-facing life, but, like, I'm, I'm still okay, like, in these counseling sessions that I'm doing, especially the community mental health stuff. Like, I'm still okay one-on-one. -on -one. I'm still okay when we're talking one-on-one. -on -one. And, and that's... I'm. I'm now, I'm grateful for that. And I hope that you, in the midst of your COVID failures, if you're having them, I hope that you're finding something that you're doing that's healthy, something that you're doing where you're making a good decision, some relationship where you're keeping up. Um, I hope you can find some, something that you're learning, something that you're not failing at as badly as you should be failing at it. Like there's something not just to be grateful for, because there's always stuff to be grateful for, 
but there's something for you to be proud of. I'm convinced of that if you look for it. And right now is a good time to look for it. Listen, I'm going to leave you with a song. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask John to play Lionel Richie's Easy Like Sunday Morning. Not just because it is a 80s anthem to, to being chill, um, but because I listened to it the other day, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was on my little uh, rowing machine trying to get myself back into some kind of reasonable cardiovascular situation. And I had a headphone on and, and, and on the music app, this song comes up, Easy Like Sunday Morning. You, you, most of you who are old will, will remember this song. It was, it was an easy listening classic by the Commodores. Um, who also did Brick House, which is my favorite song to to at a wedding. If I'm ever at a wedding of yours, please play Brick House. I have a whole like thing with Brick House. But uh, Easy Like Sunday Morning, I hadn't thought about. And I'm listening to it. And I'm just alone with my eyes closed listening to it. And all of a sudden it hits me. that Maybe this is a song about leaving the church, leaving the bride of Christ, at least for a person like me. That's, it's, it's an easy interpretation. Um, I know it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know, I've done all I can. You see, I begged, stole, and I borrowed. I mean, I'm thinking this is a song about somebody leaving the church after they tried, tried, like I tried to stay in. That's why I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Sunday morning is a thing when you leave the church, man, you have to contend with Sunday morning. It takes a while before Sunday morning is easy for you. For those of you who have been through it, it's a song, uh, song you might want to play, song you might want to enjoy. Hey, thanks for, if you made it this far in the podcast, you win the prize. Ding, ding. You are a true friend of the show. And I promise you, the show will start to reward you again very soon. But for now, just know, I am so grateful for so many things in this life, for just the gift of consciousness all by itself. But I am, I am especially grateful um, to you um, who listen, who send comments, who write, who ask questions, who engage with one another, who make uh, this podcast very special um, for a lot of people, not least of which is me. Thank you, and I'll see you next time on Humanize Me. No, it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can You see a big stone and I borrowed Yeah That's why I'm easy I'm easy like Sunday morning Why I'm easy I'm easy like Sunday morning
to make it Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be I'm not happy when I try to fake it No Sunday morning.